So where do you find this this true army of Christian believers? This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And welcome to the weekend edition of the program, Truth to Ponder. I'm your host, Bob Bierman. You know, last week, especially those that only get to hear the program on the weekend, I entitled the program, There's an Army Rising Up. And that army, I believe, is that small remnant of Christians that have pretty much had enough. Enough of where this world is going, enough of the trouble that we're in, enough of being oppressed. It's time to stand up and be counted regardless of the cost. Too many Christians today, they want to just get along. They don't want to make any waves. They, they want to be able to keep their jobs and, and have all this security in their home and their car and their cable TV and their satellite dishes and their internet. They want it all. But what they're really wanting is what Bonhoeffer once called cheap grace. Cheap grace means that we don't, we, we have uh, forgiveness without repentance There is no sacrifice. There is no cost to our faith in Jesus Christ. We we, we can have it when it's convenient. We go to church when we desire. We don't worry about anything anymore because, hey, it's all good in the end. And I've heard so much of that in my life of late. And yet parents are so, for the most part, in the United States and elsewhere, so, so tied up in just trying to make ends meet and get through these difficult times caused by COVID-19 and and all its ramifications. That we've lost sight of some of the more important things. Now, for those that listen, I want to make just a couple of comments here at the beginning of the program. On the election this past Tuesday, I've taken a few days away from thinking about the election. I didn't want to get too deep into it until I I had a chance to, to sort it out. And I want to throw just a few things out at you uh, that maybe the other pundits on television, if you're in the United States or whatever you hear for news around the world, what happened in Virginia, what happened in New Jersey, and some of the other races that didn't get spoken about too much. First, what happened in Virginia. Now, we have family, lots of it, in Virginia. And I've spent a lot of time in that state over the years. I love southwestern Virginia toward the mountains. It's a wonderful area. I could easily live there. My issues with the state of Virginia have nothing to do with the people that I deal with in Virginia. It's just those that run the state in Richmond and those that work for the federal government that occupy that northern portion of Virginia just outside of the cesspool we call our nation's capital, Washington, D.C. And all those that work for the federal government want the control of the federal government, more power in the federal government, more income from the federal government. They happen to live in places like Alexandria, Virginia, Loudoun County. That entire region is infected with the socialist communist, anti-Christian mindsetted people. This is what plagues Virginia is this heavy population concentration primarily in northern Virginia near Norfolk and also around Richmond. 
the rest of the state, it's a whole different story. And I rather like the state of Virginia, at least the parts that I like to visit. So critical race theory, they tried to deny that it's even being taught. But the word gets out, especially the pandemic had one unforetold side effect. Parents started seeing what their children were actually learning in school and started questioning what's going on. Because see, as I told you before, parents today, as they have been for 25 years at least, have been so concerned with a two-income household here in in most of the Western world, dual careers, daycare, we're tired, quality time, all the words that keep being thrown around. They never paid much attention to what was going on in their schools. A lot of parents simply are so overwhelmed in their own life, they don't have enough time to invest in their children's lives. And all of a sudden, when we started having online learning and some parents were forced to stay home as well because of the coronavirus, some parents happened to notice some stuff about their schools that were they didn't realize and they, were, they became concerned. So in Virginia, enough of the people, and here's something else, a lot of, a lot of people in Virginia, especially like Southwest, Southern Virginia, uh, parts of Central the mountainous areas in particular, because of the way the state had turned, shall we say, more lunatic leftist because of those around Washington, D.C. and Charlotte and around Charlottesville, that little area outside of not far from Richmond where the University of of Virginia is located in Charlottesville. I can remember, uh, just a little quick side note, last year in 2020, in October... I was in a town called Waynesville, Virginia, for a a conference, a church-related conference. And, and so I flew at that time from Greenville, Spartanburg, South Carolina. Then they take you up to D.C. and then on a little proper you know, plane down to Charlottesville. And I noticed something. Charlottesville, when you looked around at all the bumper stickers and the signs for who's running for president and and the Senate and everything else. Obviously, when, when you were anywhere near Charlottesville, all you saw were Biden signs everywhere. Joe Biden for president, 2020. The second you got out of Charlottesville in that county and you, and you headed to Waynesville, it immediately changed. You didn't see any Biden paraphernalia anywhere nobody cared because they're they're very conservative in that part of the world but like i say there is a concentration of population of those that want to work for the federal government that have a big dent and a big chunk of the population of maryland virginia and even a part of delaware these are all government people government employees government agencies Even communities just outside of Washington, D.C. are dominated by federal agencies everywhere. And so these people vote for their own personal interests, which means your taxpayer money if you're in the United States. And they want a big government because big government is good for them. 
Well, in Virginia, even in a place like Loudoun County, some people that just always just kind of voted the status quo in Loudoun County and other areas started seeing what is really going on in the school systems, especially Loudoun County. Loudoun County is a great example of people that need to be removed from office. I mean, they, they have to. They're a danger to you, your family, and your children. Something needs to be done to legally get them out of office. The school board, they hid two rapes all in the name of transgenderism. They, they hid them from the public. They didn't want to, they still wanted to move forward on their stupid, idiotic, just morally bankrupt concept of allowing young men to go into women's bathrooms. They're so, they're so devoted to that cause, which is nothing more than mental illness being celebrated, they're so devoted to that cause, they, they will hide rape, and they will have the father who complains about it taken out by the police in handcuffs. That's how morally and intellectually and spiritually bankrupt these school boards are. They are now the agents of Satan himself. Trying to do what the spirit of Antichrist has always tried to do. Steal your children. If he can't get them killed in the womb... Destroy them in this earth. And government agencies and school boards increasingly are the mechanism of choice. The problem in the United States, the problem in Canada, the problem in in Australia, New Zealand, Germany, anywhere else in the Western world. You turned your back on God. You threw him out. You made him a cultural entity. You're happy to celebrate Christmas in a very secular way. Oh, yeah, the nice little babe born in, you know, the manger thing. Yeah, I guess we can tolerate that except in the public square. Cultural Christianity is not true Christianity. It's a pathway to death and destruction. So what do we do about it? How do, we, how do we move forward from cultural Christianity? Because, see, cultural Christianity is powerless. You know, and I was saying about the election. Some people, even the cultural Christians, finally woke up and said, we have to do something. This is just not right. And in a relatively narrow election a more conservative, not fully conservative, just a more, by comparison, conservative. See, this is something else. The guy that won on the Republican side is not a true, absolute, total conservative. Just by comparison to Terry McAuliffe, yeah, a lot more conservative, but definitely not a true conservative. You're better off, but you're not that much better off. Just giving you a fair warning. Same is true in New Jersey. It came pretty close. A so-called quasi-conservative almost won there against a total leftist moron who locks down everything, who believes in the power of government, who does everything unscientifically to destroy his own economy because he enjoys the power. Also had one of the worst, he had the worst death rate of any 
any state in the United States when it came to the coronavirus. His policies were just like every policy that man has. Murphy, he's a failure, total abject failure, but he still won because he's in a state that is so bought into these strange social norms and lies that they he snuck in. And truthfully, I had to do a little bit of research to double check over the last couple of years. Prior to the pandemic, and even more so once it got thoroughly engaged, people are leaving New Jersey in droves. I mean, they're not, they're not staying there. States like Florida have got a lot of folk that have moved in from New Jersey, thousands of them. The same with Texas, the same with Georgia, same with Tennessee. They're leaving. They're getting out of New Jersey. The high taxes, the stupidity, the control, the economic loss, the, the, the cost of living. It's all become outrageous and enslaving. And so when you look at Governor Murphy winning by only about 20,000 votes, about 40,000 conservative people have moved out in recent months from the state of New Jersey. They picked up and left. Had they stayed, I don't think Murphy would have won. There would have been just enough to take it over the top. But people have had enough of New York. They've had enough of Connecticut, enough of New Jersey. And those that are at least financially conservative are getting out. And many Christians that are watching their freedom of religion, a constitutional right being trampled upon and spit on, are also saying enough is enough. And they're either getting out of the cities. I I know somebody, and I'm not going to say what community, but it's in upstate New York. I can say, generally speaking, the Finger Lakes region. Still lives in a town that is conservative, that has ignored a lot of the nonsense that came out of, you know, St. Andy Cuomo, the pious, the former governor. And now the new governor that her name, Hoshel, they 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 kind of just deal with it. They don't like what's going on. Some people stay there because of family and obligations. I know a lot of my friends that have lived in upstate New York. They're ending up on the west coast of Florida. That seems to be like a a straight line down. You take Interstate 81, and then you you intersect 77 to 85, 85 to 75, and then you just cruise right in into the west coast of Florida. And a lot of folk are coming down. They're looking for freedom. But there are forces out there that want to take all that freedom away from you. And so I said last week, there is an army rising up. But a lot, but, but the problem with this rising army is we have a terrible lack of leadership. Where are the real generals? Where are the leaders? Where are the planners? Where are those that, I'll use this term, that understand the strategy of what needs to be done in our lost and dying world. Here in the United States, and I know this is going on everywhere, I I pity those in Australia with what you're going through with these vaccine mandates on what is an experimental vaccine. I mean, let's face it. 
in the United States, just in case you didn't know, you got hoodwinked. Anybody that thought the Pfizer vaccine is approved by the FDA, well, not exactly. And we pointed it out when they made the announcement, something didn't smell right. And I can remember going through and listening to the press conference, looking for all the material they refer to you can't find. When I finally found it and figured it out weeks later, and you still, it's almost impossible to find. The Pfizer vaccine you're getting today, the Pfizer vaccine you are getting today is still the emergency use authorized vaccine. You are not getting the one that was approved by the FDA that has a fancy name, Cormidity or something along that line. It's still not available in the United States. So you got hoodwinked and snookered to think you're getting one that's been now tested and fully approved. It is not fully tested. It is not really an approved vaccine by any stretch of the imagination, by any protocol ever used prior to this time. Amazing. You know, had the Democrats won, I'm sure they'd be condemning the Trump vaccine. I mean, had had, had uh, Trump won, the Democrats would be condemning the Trump vaccine. And we're not going to take it. I can remember Kamala Harris saying that. If he says I've got to take it, I am not taking it. Funny, when they get the power and they want to exercise it over you, they want to control you, then they demand you do it and they're going to crush you. They're going to make your life miserable. The Biden administration, in my opinion, has totally overstepped its constitutional authority, trying to use OSHA to enforce an unconstitutional vaccine mandate on most of the citizens in the country. And the fight isn't even about how good the vaccines are or are not, or the effectiveness of a face mask, which has none. It isn't about even the seriousness of COVID-19. It's about individual choice and the protection of the conscience of individual Christians. Now, by the way, next week I have a guest coming on the program who used to work for Pfizer. And uh, she no longer works there being fired for revealing some information in emails that, see, Pfizer tried to pretend that their vaccine did not use aborted fetal cell uh, in their research and testing and creation it did they lied she pointed it out she's fired pfizer is also beginning to give religious exemptions which they wouldn't for her to begin with and then she got fired anyway so i'm going to bring her on the program we're going to discuss the pfizer vaccine we've talked about moderna and their mysterious and very convoluted history earlier this week if you had a chance The company that came into business never had a product go to market worth billions of dollars and has nothing to show for it except the magical vaccine. Somehow they made the technology that kept failing in research work at the last minute for COVID-19. There's a lot wrong with all of this. You know, whether you're vaccinated or not, whether you believe they're effective or not, One thing that we as Christians and anybody that is conservative in this country or world need to agree upon is the freedom of conscience and the loss of our personal liberty. If we hand over, if we allow government officials the keys of medical tyranny over over all of us, demanding how we have our health care, What would ever stop them from mandating any other form of, quote, care 
including abortion like they do in China or did. See, the left believes abortion is health care. The left believes that euthanasia and killing of older people is elder care. What I'm trying to say is we're, we're allowing the spirit of Antichrist to get into our medical system through our government. Romans 12, 8, we need to understand what it teaches us to stand up for our religious and, and philosophical freedoms, and we need to do so vocally, with dignity, and peacefully. I'm telling you, the world is becoming an increasingly strange place. For those in the United States, and I know it's happening in Canada and elsewhere, the the pressure is on. They're going to cut you off from the world. Take away your money and your food until you get the jab. And the funny thing is, it doesn't stop you from getting it, and it definitely, under no circumstances, stops anybody from spreading it. We now know that to be a truism. The vaccines don't work as advertised. That's how they started talking boosters. What are you going to get? Three, four boosters a year before this is over? I'm also deeply afraid the material that I'm reading is showing that some people, the more they take this, they keep lowering the effectiveness of their own immune system. And so it doesn't make, there's almost this blindness. Well, the vaccine's not working, so let's vaccinate more. Put more of this stuff in people's arms. It doesn't make any, it doesn't make any sense. Biden's, Joe Biden's policies, and they're really not his, because the man is incapable of operating and functioning in his office. Let's be honest. Joe Biden is just a figurehead. No more no less. He's incapable any longer of really functioning as the president. He's a figurehead for a lunatic leftist fringe that now occupies the White House. And and Biden is planning to have his mandate start on January the 4th. Hopefully, Republicans will do something about this Republican senators, I'm telling you, in the United States, you better stand up. I don't care if you shut down the government to get this reversed. And then vaccinating children who have no risk from COVID-19, no no measurable risk at all, but they certainly do from the vaccine. And no, they're not super spreaders to kill their teachers. Another lie. The army needs to start being noisy. It needs to rise up. It needs to show up at school boards, even in small towns where you don't have these issues, just to remind them, just to remind those. I don't care if you're in a little town in Georgia or Alabama or Indiana. If you have kids or grandkids in a school, go to those meetings. Let them know. That you're, even though they may not have a mandate, remind them, thank them for not, and then encourage them that they will be facing the people if they dare to try. I know probably over half the United States is fully vaccinated, and I pray that there are no long-term effects, but many, many people in the frontline doctors are afraid of this slow damage to the immune system over time. 
Germany's beginning to see that. Other places are beginning to notice it, but they don't want to call it for what it is. They keep thinking, well, maybe, maybe we do, we do some more vaccinating. I, I, I've got more I'll share next week. I don't want to get into all that today. There's just too many things on my heart and my mind. Do you believe in the ministry of truth to ponder? By the way, I'm going to try to have a conversation with a person I worked with for a while, a number of years ago, starting his own ministry. And I think the name of the ministry is going to be called Crosstalk News, Edward Zoll. And, you know, I don't mind helping another ministry as they get launched. And I, there are a few things I'd like to do to help him. The, fortunately, the building that he's going to be occupying is not that far from where we live here in Florida. He needs a lot of technical help, and I'm going to offer my time to do that. I'm going to help even see if I can find some gear he's going to need to get started. But God laid on his doorstep, literally, a building, a tremendous amount of space. And he has it for virtually nothing for, for a while. That's all I'm going to tell you. He's just got, God is just blessing him. And I'm just trying to figure how to maximize that for, for the kingdom of God. Keep that in prayer. I, I, I'm just trying to think, what, what do we do with all this space for television, maybe radio, maybe more? Uh, some of my ancient world, ancient world radio projects, maybe they ought to move there. I don't know. Just, just praying about it. Use the talents God gave me in terms of engineering and see what we can do. If you believe in the ministry, would you consider supporting us financially as we go to break? Our mailing address is 5753 Highway 85 North, number 3248. That's 5753 Highway 85 North, number 3248. And that's Crestview, Crestview, Florida, 32536. Crestview, Florida, 32536. And if you should be making out a check, it can be made payable to Ancient Word Radio. And we'll be right back. This is Truth to ponder with Bob Beerman. The Hanukkah Freedom coming up. Shalom Aleichem. This is the nice Jewish boy, Jonathan Kahn, your Jewish connection, bringing you the riches of your Jewish roots in Jesus. Now get your pen out as fast as you can so you don't miss out on receiving a special free gift you're going to get and love in a moment. Hanukkah. Well, this is the feast or the festival, the commemoration that happened in between the Old and New Testament. It's about persecution and tyranny and the people of God had to rise up and they did and they committed themselves to uh, serving God and battling and winning the great battle. Finally, they won. They cleansed the temple. They dedicated it to God, and it was called Hanukkah. It's known as the festival of freedom, freedom. But Hanukkah doesn't mean freedom in Hebrew. It's the Hebrew word for dedication, Hanukkah. They dedicated the temple. The festival of freedom is really the festival of dedication. Now, there's a profound link there. See, we all want freedom. We want to be free from our sins or free from the junk or free from the chains or bondages in our life. We just want to be free from all these things. Lord, set me free. Good. The Feast of Freedom. But the Feast of Freedom is the Feast of Dedication, Hanukkah. Very important. You want freedom? Learn the secret. You need dedication. Want to be free? Dedicate yourself to God's purposes. Commit yourself because the freedom comes when you are in God's will dedicated. You want freedom? Dedicate. If you're half-hearted with God, you're double-minded, back and forth, without commitment, you're never going to be free. But if you'll commit to God and his purposes for your life, with your heart, mind, soul, and strength, you'll find freedom. And you'll find victory. You'll find victory that's not just an experience. It'll turn your failure into victory. Dedicate it to him. Dedicate the victory. Commit yourself to God, your actions, your will, your thoughts, God's way. 
and you'll be victorious and you'll live in freedom. And so with your dedication will come your freedom. Want more? Ask for the way to freedom. Now, how'd you like to do awesome, great things in God? Move mountains. Well, you can. Sapphire is a super spiritual supplement to help turn your walk into a super life with God, plus the incredible mystery of the temple doors on all free. How do you get it? All easy. Just remember Jesus' real Hebrew name, Yeshua, and you dial it. That's it. Just dial 1-800-YESHUA-1. You will be blessed, but call now. That's 1-800-YESHUA-1. I invite you to join me in the Great Commission to bring salvation back to the Jewish people and reach millions of unreached peoples around the world on five continents. How? Just call 1-800-YESHUA-1, and you can have a part in the End Time Harvest. That's Y-E-S-H-U-A-1. They can write me direct. Here's how. It's right to the nice Jewish boy, Box 1111, Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. It's a nice Jewish boy. Box 1111, Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. Well, until next time, this is Jonathan Khan saying, Shalom Alechem, be committed and you will be free in God's power. Peace be to you, my friend, in Messiah, Asar Shalom, the Prince of Peace. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And I welcome you back to the second part of our weekend edition of the program Truth to Ponder. And I am your host, Bob Bierman. We talked a little bit in the first segment about an issue that is really troubling to me personally. It is what I call cultural Christianity. Cultural Christianity, if you're just tuning into the program on radio. The United States, to even a degree, Canada, United Kingdom, Australia, New Zealand, there's a cultural Christianity built in to our nations. The problem is that oftentimes cultural Christianity has nothing at all to do with real and true Christianity. In countries like the United Kingdom and many places, people still acknowledge the fact that there is some church stuff in their life but the truth is they're not believers they don't attend church anymore they have no intention they they look at this life as all that there is and some people run around with the term well i'm spiritual but i'm not religious it's a very dangerous world in which we live and the fact that so many people are no longer in the faith. So many parents that were given the opportunity when they were younger rejected the faith and now they raise their children without any faith and God will hold them accountable. We have a problem and it is a universal problem in the Western world. The Western world was so blessed by faith, by, by the blessings of God. And now we've turned our collective backs on God, thrown him out of the public square. In London, England, you start talking about certain things from the Bible, it is considered hate speech, and the bobbies in London will arrest you. It won't be long, it already is happening in Canada and other parts of the world, that Christians will be relegated to even a lower class of citizenship than those that are unvaccinated. It's coming. Because, see, the spirit of Antichrist, 
despises the things of God. And the more that the spirit of Antichrist can lure you away, tempt you away from the things of God, and fill you with the things of men, the faster our world will descend. We're coming to a day of judgment, there's no doubt in my mind. And cultural Christianity, as we see it in the United States and and all over the Western world, is bringing it in faster and faster. Now, it was a few years ago, my wife and I were in St. Augustine, Florida, visiting a small church, good friend of mine who has since passed away, had the opportunity to preach in his church, and and I had that as my, my topic, this cultural Christianity. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this opportunity to share from your word what you would have us understand and comprehend today. I pray that you'll open our ears to hear, our eyes to see, and our hearts to receive. For this I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. How many of you have gone to a wedding? A wedding of somebody that doesn't normally go to church on a regular basis, if at all. But somehow the wedding is being done by some kind of a clergyman, maybe at a beach, maybe at a ballroom, maybe in a chapel. And they always have their favorite Bible passage to read before they get deeply into the service. How many of you have been to those kind of weddings? It's kind of like the baptism to make the grandparents happy. You know, their kids never go to church. They have no intention of going to church. They're not going to ever ask their child to go to church. They're not going to take them to church. But to stay in the will, we'll get the kid baptized at the church. I recently saw that happen a couple of weeks ago. Big party, all these people at a church but they won't be back. And I'm thinking of the mockery they'll make of the baptismal vow, the sponsors. Yes, I'll make sure that they're raised in the, you know, in the truth of God's word. No, they're not. You're just doing this to make grandma and grandpa happy. I think of the beach wedding. I'll admit, many years ago, I was asked to do a couple of weddings on the west coast of Florida for family. And inevitably, these poorly schooled and unchurched 20-something-year-olds always want you, we want that passage of St. Paul about love. We heard it today, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. From the King James, though I speak with the tongue of men and angels and I have not charity, I'm as a sounding brass and tinkling symbol. Of course... Everybody likes the NIV version, so we ensure that we were saying we have love. And every time I've done a wedding like that for some parishioner for their kids or grandkids and they're reading that thing, I'm standing there by a beachside wanting to throw up. Sorry, I just feel like I'm waiting for the Beatles to break out with all you need is love. 
St. Paul has a lot to say in chapter 13 that goes beyond the understanding of God's love for us. St. Paul is making clear that love, as God has ordained it, as God has given it to us, if we don't have it, we really have nothing. There we are, the, the sounding brass. If we have all this knowledge, all this education, even prophecy, but we don't have the love of God, we still have nothing. We could give everything up, but if we really don't have the love of God, you know, sometimes giving up stuff is easier than getting your hands dirty in the fight where you love somebody enough to make sure they have the opportunity of knowing God's word. Yet all these young married couples that would come to be married all want this chapter read because it's all about love bears all things, it hopes all things, endures all things, it never fails. And it talks about, and everybody looks at love in the most superficial way. I remember years ago learning in a catechism class at a young age that there are like seven different words for love in the Bible and each has a distinct characteristic. In the English language, we just have this one word fits all. And sometimes we lose sight of what the word really means in the context that it is given. I love french fries, but that is different than loving your neighbor. And we sometimes in our culture have redefined or even cheapened the meaning of the word as given. Married love is a type of love. The love for your children is a very protective love. The love of your pet, the love of dessert, is a different type of love. And the love of God trumps all. This is what St. Paul is talking about. This love we have that God has for us that then becomes a part of us, that changes us, that gives us a new character, that gives us a new understanding. This is the love that St. Paul is talking about, not boyfriend-girlfriend love as we found in high school. It's far deeper. But St. Paul has a lot more to say. After he has told us about this love, he then reminds us of something to put it in perspective. That's where we never read at that wedding the next part. The part that actually ties it together. What does St. Paul say? When I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. A couple of contexts to put that in. Young Christians are just learning. 
St. Paul even uses the analogy of the child when it comes to being a young Christian. We start out on the milk of God's word. We're not ready to chew the steak. We have to grow in faith as we learn more and more. The problem today, and I'm seeing it more and more than I ever have in the last 25 years, when I look at young people today, and I'm not disparaging them, I'm disparaging the institutions and some of the families and how they are raised, are being left to being perpetual children. They're never growing up. They're never taking on the responsibility. They're never going to understand what St. Paul says. When I was a child, I spoke like a child and I acted like a child. But when I got to a certain point, time to put away the childish things. For some reason, we have this arrested development syndrome that has been institutionalized. We have a lot of young, I was thinking the other day, and I'm not bragging on myself, if you're anywhere near my age, I graduated high school when I was 17 years old. I was not quite 18. That summer, after I graduated, I worked literally seven days a week, plowing away as much money as I could because come the end of August... I'm hopping in my little Opal Cadet with all my worldly belongings, and I'm heading out into the world to pay for my own schooling, getting a job, and living in another state. Didn't think twice about it. Just did it. I look at some 17-year-olds today. They're afraid of graduating high school. What am I going to do now? They're ill-prepared. They become dependent. What St. Paul is reminding us, and this is what ties the love together that I'm about to get to. He's saying we have to grow up. We have to learn. Then suddenly this love of God becomes a useful tool for his kingdom and for us. It really does. As we grow up and we begin to see what God has done for us, then all of a sudden, the love of God in our life makes absolute sense. It's not abstract anymore. Many churches today that call themselves churches have built themselves on superficial things. They talk about love and what feels good to us, what makes us happy. They have emulated a lot of the world in order to attract a lot of people. But if the leader fails, the church goes into a tailspin, that local church. I've seen it happen over and over again. Church of four, five, six thousand people then the pastor is caught having an affair and 6,000 people becomes 2,000 in two weeks. Now they can't pay the mortgage. And many of the people in the church love the songs about me and how I feel and they'll come home and say, I really didn't get anything out of church today. I don't know if I want to go back next week. 
funny thing is, church is not about us. It's about our worship toward God, what we give to him. This is his hour, not ours. Out of 168 hours in the course of the week, this is the one hour. We get the other 167. Where's the hour for him? Where is our love back to him for the love he gave us in his son on the cross? It's not all about us. One of my favorite little Facebook memes is the one that shows the first narcissistic church where it's all about me. Sunday service if we feel like it. Love that sign. And that's where a lot of people are in the church today. Over the years, as we have taken the sovereignty of an almighty God out of our culture, go to any restaurant on a Sunday morning and you'll notice how many people will not be going to church today, have not been to church, and they're not Roman Catholic where they went last night. You can tell. You see, and I saw this up in Georgia one time, Early on a Sunday morning, I was having a quick bite before I had to speak. And I'm there, and I see this father sitting at a table with two children, no wife there. And you knew this was his weekend. And all three have got their face in the phone, not talking to each other at all. That's how his weekend is spent, each in their own virtual world. And I'm looking at these kids and wondering, will they ever grow up? Will they ever get out of the virtual world that they're in today? Will the Father have that love as St. Paul is talking about? The real love of God that sometimes chastises, but always undergirds, that carries us in the difficult times of life. We have a hard road ahead as a traditional church body. But here's the good news. As many of the mainline churches have just consistently walked away from the faith, and other churches try to emulate more the things of the world to attract people, I'm starting to find people in their teens and 20s that are looking at the virtual world in which they're living and they got to go, there's got to be something deeper than all this. We have that faith. We have that faith. We have the good news and we have the message. St. Paul concludes the chapter with these two verses. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know even as I am known. St. Paul says we have a job to do here. We may not understand all the nuances. We may not have all the details quite figured out because it's hard for us to comprehend this love of God. But when that day comes and the race is done, then we'll know fully. And then he concludes, And now abideth faith, hope, charity, or love. These are the three most important things, but the greatest of the three is that charity of God, that love of God. 
I have a hard time comprehending this deep love that Jesus has for me. I don't get it. I don't understand it. I've looked at all the gifts and opportunities he's given me in spite of myself. And I'm learning, as an old hymn said, to love him more each day. Because as I grow up in the knowledge of the faith, the easier it is to understand and receive the love he has for us. We have a lot of work ahead of us in a very changing world that is increasingly hostile to what we hold dear. We need to learn that love that's the most important thing, the true love of God, not the superficial love of the world. The love of God. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time that I've been able to share from your word. And I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit that we begin to understand the depth of the love that came in the form of your son, Jesus Christ that we begin to comprehend and grow in your word. Stop drinking the milk, but desire the fullness of the word, the depth of the word, that the word become a living part of us. Father, I pray for this church that it begins to fully comprehend the mission and the goals you have for it, and that people will be on board as your Holy Spirit directs. I thank you for this day, and I thank you for this congregation, and I thank you for the love that you give each and every one of us. For this I ask in Jesus' name, and all the congregation said, Amen.
time is just about up for today on this weekend edition of Truth to Ponder. Now, hopefully next week, I've got some guests I'm beginning to line up. Got a friend up in Canada. Going to get an update from up there. What's happening in the world of losing freedom. Hopefully, might even get a friend or two from Australia. A whistleblower from Pfizer. And if I can pull it off, I'd like to get Edward Zoll back on to to talk about his new venture. His uh, little TV program he'd be putting together. God is really blessing him in his own ministry. And I feel, look, I'm 67. I'm not going to be doing this for the next 30 years. And if, if the Lord should tarry, okay, we need other people like the Edward Zalls to pick up the mantle. And, and I'm going to do everything in my power as a broadcast engineer to help him set up everything that he needs. I'm, I'm trying to think of some of the things he's going to need, some things that I have that I'm not going to need that I've owned for a while that he could definitely use. So keep that in prayer. I want to see his ministry prosper. And I want to bring you some more news and information next week. Like I say, a a Pfizer whistleblower update from Canada and other parts of the world. Do you believe in the ministry that we have here at Truth to Ponder? We have so many opportunities and things to add to this ministry that I'm looking at as well. Shortwave is still a big deal. If you believe in the work we're trying to do, would you consider a financial gift? Our mailing address By the way, make a check payable to Ancient Word Radio. Ancient Word Radio. And the mailing address for Truth to Ponder is 5753 Highway 85 North. 5753 Highway 85 North, number 3248. Number 3248. Crestview, Florida, 32536. That's Crestview, Florida, 32536. And until next week, may God richly bless you. This has been Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. To find out more, visit our website, truth, the number two, and the word ponder.com. That's truth, the number two, ponder.com. Truth to Ponder, shining the light of truth in a darkening world.